delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangsta Chronicles, hosted by MC8 and Big Steel. It's every Thursday, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, Gangsta Rap. Let's go. Gangsta Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangsta Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Kerry Hilson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. to the latest edition of 100, the Ed Gordon Podcast. Next, a conversation with mental health advocate, Donita Hathaway. And yes, there is a connection. Iconic singer Donny Hathaway is her father. Donita was only two when her father committed suicide. His death has motivated her to bringing awareness to mental illness. It's also moved her to create a project in his name to provide help to those fighting mental illness. But we started out by talking about her father's connection to this special time of year. Donita, let's talk about the song that everybody talks about around this time. And that is your dad's song, uh, This Christmas. It really is, you know, sometimes we put iconic and classic on things that aren't. But this truly does fit that bill. Talk to me about what that song means to you personally first. Yes. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, you know, this Christmas is, um, you know, for me and for a lot of people, a song that's very near and dear to us. I know for me, uh, Christmas doesn't begin until I hear my my father's rendition of that song. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it is the soundtrack for a lot of our you know, festive and happy times during the holidays. And, you know, th- that's the thing about Donny Hathaway. When he sang a song, you believed him. So when when he says this Christmas will be a very special Christmas for me, it's like, yeah, yes, you know, right on, brother. So um, <laughs> you know, there's, 
there's nothing like the original, even though I actually appreciate the the remix because I think it it shows, you know, uh, homage to uh, a great artist and a great song. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, this Christmas is, uh, you know, it's actually 50 years old um, as of last year. And that song's been around for 50 years. Yeah. Wow. So, so, you know, it's a timeless classic. It's ours, you know. And so I'm I'm proud that, you know, my father is has, you know, one of those songs that's near and dear to all of us. Yeah. You know, what's interesting. You say it's ours. And that is so very true. I mean, you know, there's so many cl- Christmas classics that were written in, you know, the thirties and forties and, and they were for the majority culture first and foremost. Um, but this one really speaks to black folks. It, it is Absolutely. ours. We have ownership of that to a great degree. Absolutely. And uh, a big, huge shout out to Nadine McKinner, uh, who is the songwriter for the song and uh, Rick Pyle, the um, producer and musician on that track. You know, they start off the song, you know, hang all the mistletoe. I'm going to get to know you better. <laughs> you know, you don't really think of something like that in, in your, your typical uh, Christmas song. So, you know, it, it has so much soul and, you know, so much flavor and, you know, at the same time, be, be festive and again, be ourselves. So. Yeah. And, and it has uh, let us not put it in a corner. It has grown to what uh, the media likes to call mainstream, you know, everyone knows the song now and, and, and loves it for what it is. But you raise an interesting point in what you are doing with your life. And, um, you know, it's so poignant with what your, your father had to deal with and suffer through throughout his life. And that is that as festive as these times are, they can be very difficult uh, for some people. It is a time of depression for some. Uh, some look around and see all of um, what we like to post on Instagram, which isn't always true. What the the media portrays, which isn't always true. It's a difficult time for many. Yes. So um, the way I like to look at it is, you know, there's something about the holidays that does bring out, you know, a sense of community, a sense of giving. Um, there's constant, you know, food drives and coat drives, you know, for those who are hungry, those who are homeless. But I think what's missing in that, and all of those things are necessary, but, you know, the catalyst uh, to someone's situation that can have them, you know, in such dire straits. And so I know for me, Christmas hasn't been the same since my mom passed. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have someone who's passed during this time of year, you know, it's a difficult time. Um, You know, there is the, the lie that, you know, you see on social media and, you know, these commercials, you have to buy this because you need to show your loved ones that you love them in order to do that. You know, you have to spend all of this exuberant amount of money, um, you know, and, you know, I, I, I understand that, but for me, there's, there's a gap of, you know, really checking in with our folks this time of year. Like don't assume because, you know, the lights are pretty and the trees are pretty and the gifts are, you know, uh, expensive um, that, you know, um, that we're not, suffering as a really as a community uh, especially you can take this year you know as a as a great example a lot of folks are afraid to even meet with their families you know due to covid and so you know what about those folks who are alone those who actually have tensions with their family members um those who have health issues those who have suffered a loss we just saw the tornadoes that ravaged you know a, a nice chunk of this, this country you know what what about those folks and so I have an initiative where, you know, I want people to, you know, think back even from the start of the year, you know, the folks that you had your thoughts and prayers for, or whatever they were going through, 
let's check back in with them with a physical touch, not just a like or a Facebook message. Pick up the phone, you know, knock on the door safely um, and, and make sure, you know, I, like, hey, I know you were going through a hard time earlier this year or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, I, I just want to make sure that you actually have a family to uh, spend the holidays with or I want you to know that you're loved and appreciated. That physical touch of, of, of and having empathy and sympathy goes a long long way because no one wants to spend the holidays alone. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you something. And I'm curious, my, my father died when I was 11 uh, suddenly. And, and I have, uh, you know, if you take away when you were one, two, three years old, you know, I have eight or nine years of true memories with my dad, uh, even though he, you know, departed this world when I was, was young. You, on the other hand, uh, your dad died when you were two. Yes. If uh, my math is correct. Um, so I'm curious, to a great degree, I think we, those that lose parents early, um, you know, somewhat fantasize our relationships with them throughout. We, we seek, I think, acceptance and want um, that you can't have physically, as you say, um, yeah. What, what has that been like for you? Because to a great degree, uh, you knew your dad like most of us knew your father from afar, from his music, from the few videos that we have of him. Talk to me about that. Yes. Um, I want to say for me, it's actually it's absolutely been family and friends making sure that I was OK. Um, I'm born and raised um, in Chicago. Um, you know, we're all, our family's from Chicago. And so uh, I've been blessed to, you know, travel where right now I live in Atlanta. Uh, but every, every holiday um, season, I go home and I'm blessed to still have my great aunt, um, Donnie's um, aunt, who is still alive. Like she's in her 90s. Um, I just lost my bonus dad. I have a brother and his father passed away this year. Um, but we would normally get together, uh, me, my bonus dad, and, and my brother, and we would do what a lot of families do, it, and that was, you know, have something to eat and then go see a movie. Um, but there is uh, there is an extra effort that I will say that my family would would um, purposefully uh, make sure that you know we were together, we were spending time together, that we knew that we were loved and appreciated. And uh, if you would have told me last year that that would have been the last Christmas with even my bonus dad, who's been in my life my entire life, Mm -hmm. you know, he's really, he really um, embraced me as if I was his own, like I was his daughter, you know, Um, you know, and I I cherish that time because now he, now he's gone. And so, you know, I'm grateful for that. Um, We're going to continue this um, in honoring all of our lost family members, me and my brother. And, you know, we, we want to shine a light on their their legacy, you know, their memories, and, and say thank you. I wondered what it's been like for her to have a father whose image is still ubiquitous and voice is still revered. Donita was born from the singer's, quote, outside relationship, end quote, with her mother. I wondered if that complicated her attempts to get to know a father she never really knew. Particularly with the circumstance of, you know, your mom and dad's relationship and, and, and all of that. Uh, how was that for you growing up? So I'm, I'm actually grateful for my mother and the way she 
um, would give me information. Uh, there's a lot of things I actually did know. Um, you know, luckily this was obviously in the time where social media wasn't the thing, but, you know, people talk, um, you know, our community wasn't that big, you know, so folks knew that I was, you know, those who knew, knew that I was Donnie's daughter. So, um, there, there was a long time in my life where I knew that he had passed. Um, and then the next step was, I knew that he committed suicide, but I didn't know how. And it actually got to a point where my inquisitive child, like mine was like, well, well, what is it? Like, why can't you tell me? Um, and eventually I actually found out on my own by peeping in my mama's closet, which is, you know, where also the Christmas gifts are. Um, <laughs> but there was a, a scrapbook that she had and it had, um, like the, the article from Ebony magazine, which mm -hmm. was like a full, you know, the pictures, pictures from the funeral and all. And so, you know, she did a, a great job of just making sure I understood as much as possible in a, in a way that was appropriate for a child. And so, you know, as I got older, you know, I, I knew the dynamics of my family and, you know, regardless, I, I love them, you know, because they're my family, you know? Um, and so, um, the, the one thing I will say about my, my father is, um, while I don't remember this, this was told to me and I, I feel it. So this is how I know it's true. The last time I saw him was the Christmas before he passed. So me, my mother, my brother, we were on the train to St. Louis. And she said, um, before I, before we, we, um, got on the train, I called for him in a way that I had never called for him before. I said, daddy, 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 daddy. Like I was, I was calling for him and she thought it was odd because I had never, you know, called for him like that. And, um, another reason why I'm so passionate about checking in with folks around this time of year, you know, while this Christmas was out, it wasn't the big hit that it is now. Mm -hmm. So my father passed on January 13th. So after new me, new you, festive, all of this, you know, 13 days later, he was gone, you know? So it, um, there is a feeling that I had, like whatever the short amount of time that me and my father did have, um, I know he put all of, of the love and, and, and care into me that, that he could, you know, with, with the mindset that he had. And, you know, for me, I still feel that like I am daddy's little girl. I got, you know, uh, my sweater on now. You see the artwork behind me. Like I look just like the man, you know. And so, you know, hearing his music this time of year, it just warms my heart. It's kind of like, yeah, yeah, daddy. <laughs> and then, you know, you just sing along. Well, for me, off key, because I'm the non-singing half the way. But, you know, you, you sing along in the car. Um, but, you know, there's there's just a warmness that mm -hmm. I've always felt. It, it's been very few times where um, I actually get in a depressive state because for some reason, I just understand. Um, I, just, I understood that, you know, my father wasn't here and um, he, like, he was truly in a better place. Yeah. And I had that same test when my mom passed and I was 19. You know, just understanding that, you know, for whatever health reasons, you know, that she wasn't here. Um, and so, um, actually my healing journey through that is, um, what, what has led me to this work, you know, really healing myself through the loss of my, of my mother. We talked about the stigma still attached to mental illness and how her father's genius couldn't make him immune. His condition has led her to create the Donnie Hathaway Legacy Project, an initiative she hopes will help others deal with their troubles before suicide becomes an option. Over the years, I've talked to 
and interviewed a number of people uh, who knew your father and worked with your father, um, Roberta Flack and and James M. Tume, uh, m- most prominent, I think, um, and both talked about how amazingly talented and gifted your father was. Uh, they also talked about being there firsthand in him fighting those demons that he had to, uh, uh, you know, and we are just starting to see, I'd say over the last decade, you know, a sense of America finally understanding that mental health issues are real. They aren't anything that people should be ashamed of, and we can't keep closing our eyes and turning our backs to them, which we've done uh, far too long. Uh, Let me ask you on a personal side, once you began to understand that, was there a side of you that was frightened at all? Um, You know, there are questions uh, whether or not mental health issues run, if they're hereditary and the like. Is it something that you have concerned yourself with? Is that why you have taken on, um, you know, the mantle of making sure the clarion call that people understand, um, you know, through the foundation, what we need to particularly African-Americans do to deal with mental health issues? Yes, um, absolutely. Um, So let me start here. While, you know, my father is the most um, known, obviously, you know, I'm I'm his daughter. So, you know, people know my my dad's story. I also have a uncle that I unfortunately was not able to meet on my mother's side. He was a cop. Um, He was a musician and he committed suicide. And this is in the 60s. Um, so, you know, long before I was even thought of, um, actually have him here. This is my grandfather. That's, that's, that's Donnie's father. Um, he was shell shocked. Um, and they actually told him that he should never have children because he would not have the capacity to take care of a child. Um, so, you know, in a lot of ways, it's a miracle that my father even exists because, you know, again, he had that diagnosis and he just happened to meet, uh, my grandmother who, um, while she was from St. Louis, she was spending time in Chicago and, you know, one thing led to another and Hey, you know, here's Donnie. So, um, I have a few other members in my family who have gone missing. Um, I have folks in my family who have had, you know, extreme depressive states. Um, for me, um, I had a a point when I was a a teenager, I think when things started to really click on who my father was, I was at a performing arts high school and I just didn't have, didn't quite have the chops the way the, the other kids did. I just didn't have the discipline. That's all. Um, but something in that was a, a trigger for me. And I, I went into a, a pretty deep depressive state. And the next time that happened, it was um, uh, maybe a few weeks after my mom passed. Um, so there's, there's, and I also saw it with her. Um, there, there's been times where, you know, I, I want to find out more about who my dad was outside of, you know, the musician that he was, but the man that he, he that he was. And it's very difficult for me to have those conversations with, those who knew him because they're still triggered and they're still hurt that he's gone. When we come back, Donita Hathaway talks about how she's using her father's legacy to turn around the stigma of suicide. 
Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and sociopolitical factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for deliverance. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, 
Tanita's father's suicide has served as a catalyst for her advocating for better understanding of mental illness. She shared that the suicides of other famous people resonated with her and fueled her activism. I really was frustrated with continuing to see the outpour of, you know, I'm so sorry what happened to so-and-so when they passed away due to suicide, like a, a Don Cornelius. Um, like, you know, oh my God, it's so sad what happened to him. We love Soul Train, right? It's so it's so sad what happened to Donnie. He was so talented. It was so sad what happened to Phyllis Hyman. You know, she was an, an amazing, you know, talent. And I continue to see the growth of suicide in young Black kids. And, you know, I... I was frustrated because it's like, you know what, my my father has been gone 40 years and it seems like we're still having this conversation of, you know, I'm so sorry after the fact. And so, you know, I, I really, through my own struggles of, of really figuring out and putting two and two together, um, I wanted to get to the root cause. Like one minute you're fine, the next minute you're not. What What happened? And so the, the legacy project is focused on the beginning, like for your average person, you don't have to be diagnosed as anything. You're a human being. Right. And we all have moments in our lives that, you know, break our hearts um, that are a source of trauma for us. A lot of that it uh, stems from when we were kids. Hey, okay? I was two. Um, and so, you know, what happens when you don't deal with said heartbreak, said trauma? It could be. Um, a divorce um, as a kid, your parents, or you yourself getting a divorce. Um, it could be economic status. It could be health, uh, a physical health diagnosis. So, you know, all of that combined is, is where, you know, all of the pieces of the puzzle started to come together for me. Um, seeing it in my own family, seeing it for myself, seeing it in our community at large. Um, and I'm grateful for the fact that there is you know, at least some some key words that folks are familiar with now, like triggered, you know, like that's a, a cultural thing now. Um, but, you know, let's push it further. Let's have some conversations. Let's dig in and, and really find out that we're all human. You know, we all want love and respect and to be acknowledged and love. And it, a lot of times it's when, you know, life happens, um, you know, finding a holistic way to deal with it. Because as a society, we, we don't. You know, like we celebrate the wins, i.e., you know, on, on social media. But when you're not okay, then, you know, you're called everything under the sun. You're weak or you need to pray or don't cry or especially black men, you know, boys don't cry. Black men don't cry. Um, and, you know, it's a lot of mixed messages that could be very confusing. And so, you know, if we all just, um, you know, started with a simple conversation, um, I think that, that I know that goes a long way because it's helped me in my life. Yeah, we should note the Donny Hathaway Legacy Project is something that you've spearheaded and is really bringing uh, to light. And I, I think projects like this or someone like Charlemagne the God, who's been very open with the idea of dealing with trauma and dealing with um, what we as a community have kept in, in the closet for so long is so uh, vitally important. But it struck me what you said, and you know, especially my generation, I'm 61 now, you know, we were really told as men, boy, you know, I, I, I remember seeing this uh, movie they, they used to show in elementary school called uh, The Little Red Balloon. And I came home and I was it was very sad and I was crying. I was telling my mom about the movie and my father walked in and he said, you know, what's the matter? And I was like, nothing, nothing. And finally, I told him it was this movie. And he said, boy, 
are you crying about some movie? You know, my mother was like, it's okay. And he was like, no, it ain't okay, (laughs) you know. And so there is this sense of, you know, what men have to be or just be strong, get up, don't cry. Um, What have you found in terms of how our community, um, you know, is dealing with this? Because in spite of the doors being open and being a bit more open armed, our community still sees this to a great degree as something that should be seen as a stigma. Yes. Um, it's, and it's still very much so. Um, which is, um, and thank you for mentioning um, Charlamagne the God, because um, I think the work that he's doing is brilliant. Um, there's something to, um, and I'm using this as uh, uh, one of my toolbox kind of um, uh, um, items in my toolbox is the influence of celebrity. Mm-hmm. Right. So a doctor or mental health professional can tell you all the things that you need to do, say, et cetera, in order for you to have the best quality of life possible. And because there's a fear of doctors or folks can't afford it, you know, there's a variety of things, you know, surrounding that, you know, people don't hate, take heed to it. But if a person of influence that you like, that's the, and I think that's the key component. If someone that you like says it, then it gets your attention. So if whether you like Charlemagne because he's messy on the on the Breakfast Club, or you know, he, I think he's actually doing really good work. Or if a, a a Beyonce or someone like that says it, you know, then it gets people's attention. And I think it's unfortunate, but um, in our society, that's what works. People gravitate to um, information from people that they like, not necessarily the the folks who are skilled in that field. Shout out to folks like. Um, Silence the Shame, Shanti Das, mm-hmm. and Coffee Hip Hop and, and Mental Health. They're doing amazing work in Chicago. Um, you know, there is really a narrative shift that we need to have. Like at the end of the day, we all deserve to live the best quality of life possible, right? And so in order to do that, you do have to be vulnerable and you do have to seek out, you know, how to heal yourself. Like I can't do that for you. You have to do it for yourself. You know, but the good news is you don't have to do it alone. There is um, again, those professionals who are trained and skilled, which is why while you can't pray away your mental anguish, you do need to pray, right? That That's also a, a component. But, you know, there are folks who are trained who can be a listening ear and help you, you know, kind of do a brain dump on, on the things that have traumatized you, right? Or, you know, just I mean, it, life life is hard. Like even with my job, I, I could use you know a few sessions because you know it, it's just stressful work, right? So yeah, and, it's, and and education is big too because I think yeah. what people miss, and often people assume that the the depression you have because you had a bad few days or your team lost or you know you lost some money uh, is different than clinical depression. You know, you can't just go sleep in the bed for a couple of days and then get up and everything is fine. Uh, we have not educated ourselves enough around this subject. We don't. And, you know, I do applaud some of these um, um, health um, commercials like a, a Kaiser or United where they are starting to have mental health commercials. Um, I do think we need some targeted towards us with better messaging. Um, and it, it might take some some influencers to to really drive home that point, because, again, that's the trust factor. Uh, but it, it's um, a huge education piece that, that needs to happen. 
Uh, what the Legacy Project aims to do is to do that in where we use our culture and, and the things that bring us joy, the things that are healing like music um, and, you know, a variety of other holistic tools in order to help educate and, and motivate, um, you know, those to, to really make improve, improvements in their lives. We ended where we began with her father's legendary music. I talked about how ironic it is that his heartfelt and soul-stirring music touches so many, often during rough periods of their lives. I have used music throughout my my life as a calming factor, and obviously your father uh, is, is one of those I would play uh, at certain times, uh, good and bad. Right. But um, it's funny. I saw an interview that you did as I was doing some research and you talked about this song that has been unearthed uh, that your dad made. And here's what's funny. I was um, introduced to the song when Kirk Whalum had Layla join him to do the song. I did some research and found that it had been done by a group that your father produced and, and obviously wrote the song. But I thought to myself, because initially I thought when I heard it on Kurt's album, man, I've never heard this Donny Hathaway song. I said, maybe it was an album cut I didn't know about. And I searched and searched. And I remember saying after I couldn't find it, man, I wish he had done this song. And lo and behold, he did it. Ta-da. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Uh, the song is You Had to Know. So that song was actually, um, it was intended to go to Etta James, I found out. Mm. And, like, if you listen to it closely, you might, you know, kind of hear that, that dynamic, like, yeah, you know, she can do that. But I think the reason why it was shelved is, uh, and this is, um, I'll, I'll link this back to this Christmas. Who wants to cover a song after Donnie has sung it? Right. Like that, that song, um, Rhino Atlantic records. I, I need to, we need to figure this out. Like that needs to be released. Um, I have it in my top five Donny Hathaway songs. Like, and actually that song came, um, when we talk about depressive states, uh, that year, um, which was last year, my dad turned his birthday. It was his 75th birthday. And I did, you know, a, a nice celebration for him. But it was also my mother's 80th. And when it came, it kind of hit me like a, a ton of bricks. Like, like, oh, my God, we're here now. And she's not here. Like, for some reason, of all the years that she's been gone, that last year hit me in, in a particular way. And I, I was in a deep, depressive state. Um, I, I don't think I've been, I hadn't been that depressed since she passed. And so I was really down and out. I wasn't answering my phone, all of that. And then I started to see message like messages that there's this new Donny Hathaway song. Like, oh my God, I, I, I'm dealing with one parent. I can't take two. Like, I, I can't. And so um, it's, it got more intense where it started to reach my phone. And they said, well, do you know anything about it? When did it come out? Like, it sounds like it could be like 1971, 72, which is like prime Donny. I'm like, oh, you know, and so that, that got my attention. And after another day, because the, the, the response was so intense, I said, you know what? Okay, okay, okay. Um, let, me, let me play the song. And when I tell you that that song brought me out of 
whatever funk I was in, you know, missing my mom, um, my dad helped me in that, mm-hmm. you know. And so there, there is something to music. Actually, the science of it is, um, and, and forgive me, I don't have the exact numbers. You know how we use like less than 10% or 12% of our, our brain's capacity? Music reaches our brain at like an exorbitant amount. I want to say it's like 60 or 70%, um, which is why it's the perfect healing tool because it, it effectively reaches us in a way, I think mind, body, and, and soul. Um, music has that healing component. And I'm just blessed to be the daughter of the greatest singer of all time <laughs> um, um, who, you know, when, when he sang, no one, as much as he covered songs, like a song for you is a cover. Mm-hmm. Um, Giving Up was a cover from Gladys Knight. Um, uh, one thing I like to say is when Donnie takes your song, you, you're not going to get it back. <laughs> <laughs> it's been <laughs> took. Right? The cover king. He almost took what's going on. I think he almost took Superwoman. Some people think he did. Um, and that that's a, a lot covering a, a Stevie song. Um, there is something about when Donnie Hathaway covers a song, like he makes it his own in, in, a, in a special way. Um, but with this Christmas, if you go on Twitter, oh boy, the, the debates. Like, in fact, the day after Halloween, I come to Twitter with a bowl of popcorn, like Michael Jackson in the Thriller video, because here come the comments. Please don't cover this Christmas <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Uh, this Christmas by Donny Hathaway is the only Christmas song that we'll accept. You know, so I, I, I do love that people are so passionate about it. Um, I think it, it speaks to the artist that he was. And, well, that yeah, been a song that is. Yeah, that they are very passionate as you are uh, with the Donny Hathaway Legacy Project and your fight to get the word out uh, about mental health. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And hey, do yourself a favor. Make sure you go to YouTube and check out the newfound song. It's classic, Donny. And of course, it ain't Christmas until we hear Mr. Hathaway start out with Hang All the Mistletoe. To find out more about the Donny Hathaway Legacy Project, go to DonnyHathaway.org. 100 is produced by Ed Gordon Media and distributed by iHeartMedia. Carol Johnson Green and Cherie Weldon are our bookers. Our editor is Lance Patton. Gerald Albright composed and performed our theme. Please join me on Twitter and Instagram at Ed L. Gordon and on Facebook at Ed Gordon Media. Delve into the visceral world of hip hop with the Gangster Chronicles. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steel is every Thursday. I, I already a know. podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Let's go. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest 
to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Kerry Hilson, Adonis. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-course, and then mm-hmm. a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 